this message seven miles in someone else's shoes. Seven miles in someone else's shoes. And if you've got a Bible, uh, Luke chapter 24, it'll be on, on the screen as well. Luke 24. And I want to read this. I, I, some would call it an odd account uh, that's recorded on the morning of the resurrection um, of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus, if you're wondering. But uh, who uh, Jesus begins this walk of seven miles with two Jewish men who are somehow unaware of who it is they are walking with, Jesus himself. Pick this up in verse 13 of, of Luke uh, chapter 24. It says this, Now that same day, the day of the resurrection, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Verse uh, 17 said, Jesus asks them, he says, why or what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days. What things? Jesus uh, asks, asks them. Uh, and, and they go on uh, to, or Jesus goes on to explain what's been, uh, or they go on rather to explain to Jesus what's been going on. Again, unaware of what uh, or who he was. Just jump down to verse 28 for time's sake. It says this, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them when he was at the table with them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning? within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. I want to talk a little bit this morning about representing Christ and, and walking out our faith with others. Others who maybe, like the story, might, might be unaware of who Jesus is. And, and they don't know what he looks like or uh, the good that he can provide uh, their lives. Let me just pray before we, we jump in this morning. Jesus, we, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for this day, your day. I thank you for these people, your people. And God, uh, as we, as we uh, take this, this time of rest and worship in you before we run into our weeks, I, I pray for the, the inspiration of, your, of the scriptures to speak into our hearts, and Holy Spirit, for you to stir the things that need stirring in us. Uh, let, let us uh, be interested in what you're up to today and, and wanting from us, I pray in, in Jesus' name. Well, uh, one, one of the strangest things that has ever happened to me uh, involved my feet and a pair of shoes. Uh, a number of years ago, I was on a plane returning to New Zealand with Caroline, and it was in the middle of the night, uh, it was many hours into the flight, 
I was in the center aisle, or we were in the center aisle. There was three rows of seats, three three seats. Caroline was next to me, and then there was a, a man on my left who I'd never met before. And as I said, we were all fast asleep, and I'd woken up needing to go to the bathroom. You know when you're stuck in the middle, it's kind of awkward because you've got to sort of, excuse me, I'm sorry, and kind of kind of squeeze past. And and I was sitting down, I took off the, the little blanket that Air New Zealand uh, give you to snuggle uh, with, and and I took the blanket off, and I looked down at my feet, and I was surprised by the, the weirdest sight, because on, on my feet were a, a giant pair of blue Crocs. And the thing that was really strange about, about this, really odd, was I, I didn't own a pair of, of blue Crocs. In fact, I, I, don't, I don't own any color Crocs uh, for, for that matter, but yet here, here they were on, on my feet, and they were about five sizes too large. They were huge, huge Crocs, and, it, it, and I had no recollection of putting them on my feet, nor any idea where they had come from, yet here they were on, on my feet. Well, I woke up Caroline, and I pointed at my feet and said, I, I, I don't know how, but, but I'm wearing a huge pair of Crocs. And do you know when you're kind of, you've, you're, it's nighttime and you're kind of sleepy, you start laughing and giggling, and that giggling just, you end up crying with laughter. Well, that kind of started. We woke up the guy next to me with, with our laughing, and, and, and then he confirmed that, that they weren't his Crocs, and he started giggling and, and laughing <laughs> as well. Do you know what? I never found out whose they were or where they came from, let alone how they got on my feet. Really odd. I don't know. It's just a weird, weird story. I, I actually left them in the aisle when I went to the bathroom. The only thing I can figure out is that maybe they'd come from the seat in front and sort of been pushed behind. I don't, I don't know. But it was, it was some months later I was telling the story to someone, maybe someone, someone here, I can't remember, and they, they, joked, they joked that maybe God was wanting to put you wears in bigger shoes, right? Which is kind of a cool, a cool analogy. It's a, it's a cool parallel there. And what's really interesting is, is that a few years later, following that, a couple of years ago, I ended up taking on, on this role for uh, the the Nelson Giants as, as their chaplain, who, who get this, whose team color is blue, right? And, and they all have incredibly large feet. Uh, I mean, really big feet. Now, they, they're my feet on the right, and they're the biggest shoes that I have, which have kind of got an extended toe on them. They're actually bigger than, than my feet are. I can put my feet inside the, uh, the shoes of, of uh, one of these giant uh, team, team players. Uh, so isn't that funny? Just a kind of a weird, a weird kind of thing that happened that kind of came together, wondering whether God was trying to get my attention on, on something here. And I kind of wonder uh, this morning what shoes God might be wanting to put you in or put you alongside. I wonder. I wonder what, what shoes might He be wanting you to fill in the season ahead. Uh, why don't you take a look down at your shoes right now? Take a little look. We've all got different types of shoes on. Maybe, maybe check out. Petra's got no shoes, although I can see 
guys just got his slippers on. Take a look at the shoes of the person next to you. I wonder where he's wanting to take those feet of yours, those beautiful feet of yours. What shoes is he calling you to, to slip on? What places is he wanting to send you with those shoes? Because those shoes were made for walking, right? Maybe, he's, maybe he wants you to get alongside people who are overwhelmed with life. Or, or maybe just alongside people who just don't know who Jesus is. And you're going to be that representative for them. What, what journeys might he be calling each one of us to walk with others on? I, I believe God is very interested in having us walk with others in love and represent him well. And, uh, and it's no more important than it is today. And it, it, it always has been. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, we, we read the, 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 uh, the passage about the armor of God that we've each been given to wear as, as faith followers. The, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the, the shield of faith. And it says that we've also, we, we also have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In other words, this gospel message that we each carry on the inside of us, which we wear, we, we, the, the Bible suggests that we put it on like a pair of shoes. And, and that gospel message is designed to go with us, to move where we go. Where, where we go, it goes with us. And it releases peace to those who are around us. Jesus said this in John 20, 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God is a sending God. He sent His Son Jesus into the world, and He sends us in the same kind of way. The problem is that we want people to come into our world so we don't have to move, so we don't have to take those steps, do those journeys. We want people to come into our world where we are, where we're sitting where we are placed, but God is wanting to send us into their worlds, into their spaces, into their places. We want people to, to come in, but, but Jesus is saying, I want you to go out. I just want them to come into where I am, to, to be into my space and my place, and, and the Holy Spirit saying, would you go? <laughs> would you leave that space and go out into those places? Go into all of the world and make disciples, right? Don't, don't always just expect people to come into your world, to come running to you, to turn up somehow to your space. That's not always how it's, it's going to work. We go into their worlds, their spaces, so Jesus can bring them into his world, into his kingdom, into his domain. And, and you know, we do that in lots of different practical ways. We have outreaches and different things that we do, loving, supporting ways. Our vocations are part of us on mission being sent, our community involvement, even some of our recreation that we do with, with other people. I, I get to promote one way with sports chaplaincy, which, which is uh, so, so enjoyable. But I believe His empowering grace, the, the grace of God that we sung about, it's not, it's not actually just His 
unmerited favor. It is, as Al said, the power of God, his enabling power for us to do the work he's called us to. And I believe his empowering grace will be on you no more so than when you are going. Not just when you are coming in, but when you are going out. That is the place and the, and the time that the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you with his power. When you are going, when you are being sent, goodbye, when you are on mission in those spaces that are not your own. How many know we need the power of God in that place? Not so much to worship here together this morning, although his presence is amazing when we do that. And his promise is that he shows up when we get together in times like this. But he also promises to be with us and to be upon our lives when we go, when we are being, when we're being sent, when we are walking with others, when we are serving others, when we are embodying Christ in a world which so desperately needs him and a world that he loves so desperately as well. And so as we read this passage, read the passage in, in uh, Luke 24, this seven mile walk that Jesus took with these two men, I think there are some little observations, and some of them are quite obvious, which can help us as, as we slip on our crocs, right, and, and get ready to walk, get ready to take those journeys. So we read this passage, and we see about four, four uh, quick observations. Number one, just very simple, these two men were walking away from Jerusalem. I don't know if you noticed that when we read this, but verse 13, it says these two men were going to a, to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And so Jerusalem in the New Testament is like the center of Jesus's ministry. In, in many ways, it kind of symbolizes the focal point of, of, of Christianity, where it was birthed, where Jesus was kind of sent into. But what's interesting is that we see these two men walking away from Jerusalem, not toward it. They were leaving. And my point is, the people that, that Jesus is gracing us, anointing us, putting his power upon us to reach, the, those ones that he's sending us to, are not necessarily walking toward God. Shock horror. Oh, what? Many of those people that God wants you to walk alongside are walking in the opposite direction. They are not walking toward the church. They are walking. Some of them are running away from God. And the church, for some people, is the last place on earth they're actually even interested in. And we cannot just wait and hope or expect that somehow they're going to walk into our world. They're going to walk into our space, our churches. And listen, it does happen. We do see that from time to time. And, and yes, God, we should be doing things to draw people and attract and we pray. That's amazing. But we've got to understand most of the people in our community are heading away from, not toward our spaces, our worlds. And if we want them to experience Jesus, we're going to have to meet them on the road with our big blue crocs. 
Does anyone own a pair of Crocs? Oh, wow. Okay, I, I, won't, I won't say some of the jokes uh, that I have about Crocs. <laughs> We're going to have to go to them, which is precisely what Jesus did. And my second point is, is this. Jesus walked with them. Verse 15, as they, these two men, were on their way, walking away from Jerusalem, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. What a powerful picture. He came up and he walked along with them. It is a picture of life on mission, walking alongside people on, on their journey in their world. It says in verse 17, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now we kind of read this in hindsight and it's kind of funny because it's Jesus, right? And he knows exactly what's been going on. It's just the greatest day in the history of mankind the resurrection, but, but he's asking the question, what's going on in your life right now? What's happening in, in your world? As, as I've come into your space, what, what is it that's causing you grief today? He asks questions, and then he listens. He listens, even though Jesus was the literal answer. He walks, it says, seven miles before he let them know actually who he was. That's, that's 11.62 kilometers. It's like walking from the doors out here to somewhere in Richmond with someone, you know, Jesus. With, yeah, that's, that's probably, I don't know, what would that take? Two and a half hours? Probably four hours if you're wearing Crocs. But, but uh, it's, it's a few hours just listening and talking and hearing their hearts and, 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 and hearing their story and walking with them. For us, are we able to listen and learn and journey and be present and to love people? It's that classic, uh, that phrase, which I'm sure we've all heard, people don't care how much you know, they want to know how much you care. And you can tell them all of the answers immediately at mile three. But they want to know, will you do the walk with me? Will you journey with me? Will you care enough for me to be with me on in, in, on, on that road, are we willing to spend the time to give of ourselves to build those relationships, to show people that we actually genuinely care? And we do have an answer. The end of the seven-mile walk, as we go through this passage, these two men, they turn to Jesus, still unaware of who he was. And it says, uh, number, number three, they urged him to stay with them. They urged him to, to stay. In fact, it says they urged him strongly to stay. Which I think means as Jesus was looking like he was continuing on, there was, they were going to compel him. You, you, you must stay with us. There was something about his engagement in their world, the investment that he had made, that they ended up begging him to stay with them. To join them, in this case for dinner, and to, and to stay the night. There was, there was such a... An, an attractive presence of God. Now, I'm not saying that we, we have to be just friends with the world, and this is the tension of Scripture. We read in John 15, Jesus talked about, talks about being hated by the world because we, we love God. But, but, but rather, I believe, than standing on the sidelines of society and scrutinizing and shaking our heads at the world in disdain, you know, 
that we actually get into the, their worlds. We get in, we get invited to stay. We get put in places of influence and even authority in our societies where, where we can sit at tables and be present and guess what? And be another way. Show another way. Present Christ to others, those who don't even know who he is. They have no idea what he looks like. Because listen, the Jesus in you will rub off on people. He will. The Holy Spirit is, is I'm not going to say dying to get out, but he's desiring to get out of the inside of you and rub off. Someone once said, everyone wants a king like Jesus. And if we represent him well, if the church represents him well, they'll want his body too. They want to hear what we have to say. They're going to ask the questions about our life. There'll be something attractive, compelling in the message we carry. Friends, like it seems like we're in a season like no other where it's just it feels like we are in an backwards kind of world, right? But listen, the, the world is going to eventually start asking questions because what they're experiencing will just not work. It won't give them the answers. They're going to need something else. And rather than us standing on the peripheral, on the edges, looking in, would we be ones who would be walking with them to say, hey, I've been with you for seven miles. Let's have a chat about what's really going on. Lastly, from this account, maybe um, Petra and Joy, if you could come up, that'd be awesome. And Matt. There's this moment in verse 31 after Jesus stays stays with them number four and we just i wonder if that was going to happen just misses it off on the screen there it says that their eyes were opened and they recognized who jesus was their eyes were opened and they recognized him two and a half hours walking with jesus the evening sitting down with him fellowshipping and dining with him and then suddenly it says their eyes were opened and they recognized him do you know the Bible says that the God of this age has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe? 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. But you see, when it's all said and done, it's Jesus we want people to see. It's not like, look at me, look at me. We want them to see Jesus in us. We want to direct people to Christ. It's, it's Jesus we want to point people to. And so, but listen, there are scales. There, there, there is a spiritual kind of blindness that stops people from hearing, from seeing the light of the gospel. And so would we present in such a way that by our willingness to leave our spaces, by our willingness to be sent ones, to go out, to walk with, to stand alongside, to pray with, and, and to love, that, that we would get to the place where their eyes, the eyes of their heart would be open, the scales would come off, and they would see the light of the gospel which we carry that displays the glory of Christ. The treasure that we have, the hope of glory, Christ in us shining brightly that they may see and they, they may have their eyes opened. 
Would our examples begin to break down the walls, the scales, so that His light in us would, would shine? I love this line, and I'll, I'll finish with this. From verse 32, from these two men, after Jesus had left, after they'd done the walk, after they had journeyed, after they had sat and talked with Him. They say this in verse 32, didn't our hearts burn when he was with us? Didn't our hearts burn when he spoke, when he shared, shared with us? Were our, our, not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? I knew there was something about him. I knew there was a reason why we invited him to come home. There was just something about him that was so compelling. I, we needed to know more. Didn't our hearts burn within us? And would, would we, our lives, will we walk this road with others as we take our own seven-mile missions? Because 11.62K doesn't sound as good as seven miles, but... As we would walk those journeys, would our example and love cause the hearts of people to burn for something more, to burn for something else, to, to burn for something other than what's going on in their lives and, and, and the casual and, and the meaningless stuff that, that can take so much of our attention. After being with us, would it be that they would say, man, what is it about you? Who is it? that we carry, which is the better question, would their hearts too burn for someone else, something more to burn for Jesus? Well, why don't we stand this morning? I just want to pray. Sometimes we need a reminder about the hope of glory that sits within us. And we all have stuff that we are personally walking through, our own obstacles, our own paths of challenge and things. Do you know who it is that resides within you? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead in that passage in Luke 24 on that same morning resides within us. And there is a world outside these doors that though they don't even realize it, are desperately to know the Savior whom you do. And there is an invitation for us, and it's sat in scriptures for thousands of years for us to be the sent ones. And I'm so grateful for, for each and every one of you and those who may be listening to this for going, for recognizing it's not just a job that I do from Monday to Friday. It's my mission field. And I am a minister in that area. And that everything that we do outside of these walls is part of our ministry. God, I pray for every single one here this morning. First of all, that our hearts would burn for you, Jesus. And that in turn, it would cause other hearts to burn for you too. Help us to think about those places and spaces beyond these walls. Help us to realize the 
interest you have to pour out your spirit upon us for such a walk, such a journey, such a mission. Help us to realize tomorrow morning when we get up or when we get in the car, when we head to work or we begin to prepare the house for the day or whatever it is we end up doing, that, Lord, you are interested in it and you are actually in that space inviting us into a divine work of your Spirit to grace us and anoint us with power to be your representatives on the earth, to be your hands and feet, to be the body of Christ in the world. And that we would have the most anointed weeks. God, I pray that our eyes will be fixed on you as ones whose scales have already fallen off, as ones who know who you are, eyes up, fixed on you, and carrying out the mission on which you've put us on and set us on. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you put your hands in a receiving posture, position. Holy Spirit, I pray Today, as we leave this place, I thank you that, God, we are anointed, grace-filled people. I thank you for the shoes that you are donning on our feet. I thank you, God, that you've put in us the, this preparation, the gospel of peace that we get to walk out this week. I thank you for divine encounters coming today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, God. I, I pray that your presence increases over us as we keep stepping out, as we keep walking alongside, as we ask people questions. What's going on in your world? What's happening as you walk along? God, I thank you for these ones. Anoint them for the week ahead. And everyone said in agreement, amen. Amen.